Apple is building a foldable iPhone. Streaming companies are finally building streamed sports and Intel is gonna make the next Xbox? Let's get into the hot news, everybody. I'm your Brett host. We're gonna be going over the hottest tech news I can find on the internet while you enjoy your breakfast this Thursday, February 8th, 2024. And we're gonna start off today talking about new reports that are coming out about Apple's foldable efforts. This is something that's been known for a little while that they've been experimenting with foldable phones, but now we have some more clear vision on exactly what's happening behind the scenes. Specifically, the fact that they aren't ready to release the foldable iPhone due to the fact that they don't think that the durability of of the hinge and the screens are good enough for them to release it. Additionally, they don't think that the price can come down to the point where they're satisfied with it because it would have to necessitate that the phone is more expensive because of all of the more complicated engineering that goes into foldable devices. Specifically, it's talked about how they want to make the first foldable iPhone the half the thickness of a regular iPhone so that when it's folded in half, it is the same thickness as a regular iPhone, which requires precise engineering that doesn't appear to be made possible by the supply inventory of parts currently out on the market. Additionally, it looks like the first item that we're going to be getting from Apple in the foldable arena is going to be on the iPad tablet side of things rather than on the phone side of things. They don't want to take a big risk with their largest product segment, so they're going to start with something that's a little less necessitated to be durable, protected from drops, and actually going to endure as much abuse as phones tend to have. Now, it's expected that the first foldable iPhone could come around the 2026 time frame, and the foldable iPad could come within the next year or two, but it does appear like it is something that they are intensely looking into, but they're not quite ready to do, which is typically Apple's way. I know that a lot of people like to poo-poo Apple on like acting like they invented things, but really their supply chain necessitates that things are built out a little bit more. One of the reasons why they didn't bring 120 hertz screens to their iPhones for way longer than Android wasn't because they wanted to claim they invented 120 hertz, but because the supply chain for LTPO displays to get it down to, I believe it was 10 hertz all the way to 120, wasn't there for them to ship them in the volumes that they needed to, so they had to wait for panel manufacturers to catch up to what they had to do, which is tends to be different than what some of the other smartphone companies end up doing. So I know our audience typically isn't on the iPhone side of things, but it is interesting to see where the market is going overall, which let's go ahead, continue to talk about the Apple Vision Pro because there are more details coming out, specifically with iFixit's teardown of the internals on the screen side of things. They were able to examine what is actually showing on the display on this because Apple doesn't give specific specifications. They just say that it's about 4k per eye and what they found in the teardown which i encourage you to go watch while we'll i have it linked in the video description is the fact that it's not a traditional form factor so it's not 3840 by 2160 which is technically the uhd qualification but it is indeed technically over 4K in resolution, and that it has a pixel per inch of roughly 3,386, and that the specific dimensions are 3660 by 3200, all packed in a very tiny form factor in each eye, leading to a PPI that is about three times that of the MetaQuest 3, and significantly more than something like your typical iPhone, which has about 450. Now, one of the things they did mention was the thing you wanna measure with VR mixed reality headsets is the pixel per degree. So they estimated that the Vision Pro has an 
estimated field of view of 100 degrees, and based on that, there are 34 pixels per degree, which is significantly higher than the Quest 3, even if the FOV is smaller. The pixels per inch is significantly higher, but the field of view isn't significantly lower, so you just get a much crisper display. And they also talk about how they're gonna give a Pro Vision all score of four out of 10 for repairability for several things like the earpiece speakers and the straps are being modular and they're not paired by serial numbers, so you can swap those out. Additionally, the battery can be replaced. It, they can't be repaired very easily, but you can swap them out. They did mention that they had issues with swapping out the actual panels in the Vision Pros, but they think that that might be due to calibration rather than the fact that Apple is parts pairing the screens at this point. But with Apple, you can't necessarily hold your breath that they're not gonna do it at some point in the future because while this is the version one of their hardware, uh, they, they have their practices when it comes to how they're gonna make things unrepairable, which isn't great. But we have some great news on the Pixel Fold 2. In case you're interested in that, we got some leaked images of what is expected to be the next generation foldable phone from Google. And it does appear like it has a big old camper bump. It's a big thick boy, just like an iPhone. You see on the right, the Pixel 9 is looking like it's gonna have a big old bump as well. It's still a very distinguished look. I can still tell that this is a Pixel device, but uh, it gets closer to what we see on some of the other devices. I'm not sure if I like it. Maybe it'll grow on me. But the Pixel Fold 2 may be announced later this summer. And additionally, it's expected that it's going to have the Tensor G4 chip, which is going to be past the Tensor G3 that's currently out right now. So it could hopefully be significantly faster than the first generation Pixel Fold, which will be interesting to see. But I'm gonna fold this part over to Reese so he can give you the deal. Yo, welcome back to EFD Deals, bringing the hottest tech deals out on the internet. And hey, deals. Starting off today, we have the Fantex Evolve Shift 2 Mini ITX case available in black for only $49.99 after the rebate, making it $70 off. The next, we have the ASRock B550M Pro 4 AM4 Micro ATX motherboard for only $89.99, making it $25 off. And then if you need to power a nuclear reactor of a PC, you can grab the Superflower LEDX Platinum SE 1200 watt 80 plus platinum fully modular power supply for only $159.99 with the included promo code, making it $190 off. And then lastly, as an honorable mention, one of my favorite games ever is currently on sale. You can pick up God of War 2018 for only $21.99 with the included promo code, making it a little bit cheaper than the Steam store and save those dollars where you can. And hey, with that, the deals are done. You can find these and more linked in the video description down below. But until next time, I'm hand you off back to Brad for the rest of your hot news. Cheers. Well, Reese, it looks like the streaming juggernauts want to find a way to give us a better deal when it comes to streaming sports. One of the last vestiges of cable TV is people keeping it for live sporting events. And now it looks like ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery are going to actually fuse together to create the ultimate streaming sports package. There are details still to be worked out with this, but it's going to have a whole host of different sport networks included in it and a bunch of different sports that will be covered all the way from pro football here in the U.S. to basketball to soccer, as well as tennis. Formula One racing, NASCAR, college sports. It's gonna be very comprehensive. There's no clear indication on when they're gonna fully announce it. There's no clear indication on how much the pricing is gonna be, which is obviously gonna be a stick for a lot of people, but this could mean that finally the people who haven't cut the cord when it comes to cable TV will finally do that. They may even forego streaming altogether and still just get the sports package. This tends to be something that people are interested in, so we'll, we'll see and keep you updated on when all of that goes down.
now. But the Biden administration is coming down hard on crypto miners. They are now announcing a new effort to find out how much energy is being used by large-scale crypto miners here in the United States. They have identified 137 different commercial cryptocurrency miners that they think account for 2.3% of the entire U.S.'s energy usage, roughly 90 terawatt hours per year. This is all being covered by the Energy Information Administration. And right now, as they're investigating all of this, it just appears to be a data collection effort for them to understand where the crypto hotbeds are, where is all of this activity taking place so that they can inform policy moving forward on how to regulate energy when it comes to crypto miners specifically, when it comes to allocating resources when it's necessary so that it's not being used to power crypto mining when it could be needed to power the regular services of human life. One of the modern regular services of human life appears to be tracking people who are coming to your front door and Amazon announcing a new highly capable Ring 3D powered doorbell. The battery doorbell pro that they have announced is even better than their wired in ones according to them. It has 3D motion detection and has bird's eye view so that you can get different camera angles to see everything that's happening. Additionally, it's gonna have a 1546p video display. It's gonna have dynamic image processing, high efficiency great color, live view, all the things that you've come to expect from a Ring doorbell, but with even better specifications that there was there before. And additionally, it's gonna have a noise canceling algorithm so that you can actually interface with whoever's at the front of your house so that you can hear them over the rumble of the diesel engine that's delivering your packages. It's gonna cost a cool 230 bones on March 6th. I also wanna segue this into trying to find out what type of security system do you have for your front doorbell? Do you have a smart doorbell? Do you have one that you can interface with? Is it one that just records? Do you have cloud storage? Let me know all of that down below in the comments and I'll respond to it in tomorrow's episode of Comment Response. And we're responding to a previous episode of Hot News where we discussed the fact that Intel may be refreshing their 14th gen chips again with Bartlett Lake. And it turns out that that may be true. There's new indication that this is definitely happening, but it's not gonna be for you or me to slap in our gaming PC. According to reports, this is actually going to be exclusive for their NEX group, which is their networking and edge group. So it's not necessarily going to be on the consumer client facing side, but rather for a very specific subsect of Intel's business. And it might not necessarily be something that we're worried about. So they're launching this for something that's not gonna be a gaming PC. And then Arrow Lake will be for the gamers like you and me. And that helps to make sense of why they were gonna potentially do a dual generation launch later this year. But now there's also details coming out that Intel might be doing a generational launch with Xbox on the next generation Xbox, whatever they happen to call it. Kyler? What? What do you think X Microsoft's gonna call the next Xbox? The sex box, that doesn't seem right. I don't think Intel would be on board with that, but details are being reported or at least speculated on that Intel is making a play to talk to Microsoft about pitching an all-American semi-custom SOC for Microsoft's next Xbox generation, which is curious because if that's the pitch, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because Intel's CPUs are typically produced on the American foundry side of things, but then their GPUs are being made by TSMC, which is in Taiwan, which is exactly where AMD is making all of their stuff so i'm not quite clear what it means by the all-american side of things but this could replace what we have in the current xbox which is a pretty capable processor and wouldn't be unprecedented because intel did happen to power the first generation of xbox but one of the reasons this is happening is allegedly that sony has two contracts with amd to actually make a upcoming vita 2 
potentially, as well as the PlayStation 6 when that happens. And Microsoft doesn't currently have a contract with anybody. And so Intel is trying to get into the gaming space. You have Nvidia working with Nintendo on the Switch and potentially the Switch 2, which is supposed to launch later this year. AMD firmly in the hands of PlayStation. And especially with Microsoft changing their entire strategy when it comes to how they're doing their console generations and how they're doing their exclusive games, it doesn't appear to be that they're trying to keep up with Sony anymore on that side of things. There's reports come, going around that Starfield may be coming to PlayStation, more Xbox exclusives will be cross-platform. It's an interesting thing to watch out for, and especially with the advancements that Intel's been making with things like Meteor Lake, seeing that in the MSI Claw handheld, seeing that in other handhelds like the One X Player, it could be a very competent situation, especially with the A770 doing very well, having the next generation of that Battle Mage, potentially even Celestial, depending on when the next generation Xbox comes out, I could see Intel actually putting up a competent fight with their CPUs, definitely compete with AMD. Their GPU side of things would be the thing that there's a big question mark for, but I'm tentatively excited. The only problem I have with all of this is that Intel is the wrong color for Xbox. Xbox is green, it should work with Nvidia. Sony is blue, it should work with Intel, and Nintendo's red, they should work with AMD. Why did they confuse it all? I don't know, but you guys confuse me with your comments, so let's check those out for comment response from yesterday's episode. Octagonal Square saying, the fact people thought the Vision Pro would work while driving and be legal scares me. I don't know, like based on what I saw on social media, I don't think the people who posted the clips of using it while driving thought it was legal. They just thought it was okay to do something illegal for a little bit. This is like a very common behavior and rationalization that humans tend to use, especially when it comes to like speeding. Oh, I'm going on a downhill. I can I can uh, speed a little bit because my car is just going to pick up acceleration. It's okay in this one circumstance. The Vision Pro likely not going to crash in the next 30 seconds. So I could put it on, make a viral video, and then I'll have my 15 seconds of glory. It'll be amazing. And then I'll take it off and drive safely. We all kind of make those rationalizations, maybe not with driving. A lot of people take that very seriously, making sure to protect that, which is why anytime we've done testing with the Vision Pro in in a vehicle, I've been the passenger and it does not work. It's not great in the car. I have a family that I want to go home to, so I don't want to be doing dangerous tasks like that. But uh, let me know where you rationalize illicit behavior in your life. I want to I want to hear that in comment in the comments tomorrow. Then we got Curdy saying still waiting on micro LED. Feels like it's been 10 years since the first time it came up as a completely new technology that will probably make OLED obsolete. Yeah, it's it's definitely making more waves. There were more micro LED displays being shown off at CES this year. There's more advancements. Um, the micro OLED displays in the Vision Pro are, it's very good, especially when you compare it to something like the Quest 3. So I think we're just gonna have to deal with like, there's gonna be multiple segmentations going on. You've got OLED, you got micro OLED, you got mini LED, you still got regular LED, micro LED being developed. There's a lot that's happening in the panel display industry, which I like to see. There's a lot more choices and options and variability. And like, again, as I talked about earlier in this episode, when it comes to the supply chain for Apple, for the iPhone and everything they do there, the Vision Pro is only possible because 
Sony is making these micro OLED displays. If Sony couldn't make these, this device does not exist. So I, I'm excited for burgeoning panel display industries. It's very cool. Now we got Shauner saying, I've been on Spotify for years, got like 50 different playlists on there. And at this point it would be a hassle to switch platforms. And I regularly use the jam session feature to share songs with friends. I don't use Spotify for any of that. I, in fact, I don't think I could, oh, jeez. <laughs> You legitimately scared me. You like appeared from behind the curtain. Oh. <laughs> Categorically unviable entertainment black hole right there. We got It's Momo saying, very uncanny having the Vision Pro on during tech news. Well, I think we improved it a little bit. How do you like the little felt googly eyes? Does that make it a little better? Does it make you feel like you're talking to the regular Brett host right now? Then we got Zaw saying, after trying the Oculus Quest 2 and owning the original Vive, I think inside out tracking is neat, but I found outside in to be more reliable, especially after I got the index. I think if you haven't tried the Quest 3's inside out tracking, you're missing out. And additionally, the Vision Pro is the best I've ever used. The, the the hand controls on everything is just seamless. It's intuitive. It's very easy to pick up. People who have never used VR before can actually very seamlessly integrate with how this works. The inside out tracking is, is honestly very, very good on the Vision Pro. It's also very good on the Quest 3. There have been advancements that have been made on that side of things. So maybe if you haven't, give it a try. The Quest 3 is a, a little bit easier of an entry point for you. We got ANC6 saying, well, Vision Pro user owners should get screen protectors for the camera. They actually make them. There's like TPU covers that you can get, which still keep the cameras exposed, but kind of like protect everything else so that you can like set it down on that. I don't know if it's gonna be a big deal. We'll have to see how the long-term durability of the, laminated glass really holds up over time. And then I'm gonna leave it off on Corvus Core saying, what kind of shampoo do you use? Costco has Olaplex. It's pretty dank. I use whatever my wife buys. I, whatever's in the shower is what I use. And I don't know what it is. I could look it up, but it doesn't matter to me. I'm just gonna wash my hair with whatever's. It's nice. It smells good. It keeps my hair smooth and gets rid of the oil that I tend to produce. So I like it. Thanks, thanks for the heads up on the Olaplex. Also, yeah, guys, let me know what shampoo you use. Or do you, are you like one of those people who well, I was when I was in college where I just bought body wash and washed everything with body wash. The like 79 cent one that I could get from like CVS. And I'm gonna 79 cents see tomorrow. That was bad, I'm sorry. It's the Vision Pro, it messes with my mouth.